Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. It's been a while, and I do apologize for that. So let's go ahead and get started on some more on the goodness of God and his wonderful word because I'm always learning something new. So today we're going to be taking a look at the first book of Samuel, chapter 1. This is very interesting. I saw some things in here that I had not seen before. So let's go ahead and get started on this and this is the King James version. So here we go. This is chapter 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramatham, Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Suf, and I think that's pronounced see Aphrathite, I think is how you pronounce that. And I do apologize. And he had two wives. The name of The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other Peninnah. Now what I want you to notice here was that which one was listed first here? Hannah. This is very important. It says and he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the other of the name, sorry, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. What I love about that verse is that it lists Hannah first the other wife she's got all these kids hannah does not at this point but in god's holy word this is a perfect example of where god does not forget someone that can feel abandoned and later on we will see that she is mistreated hannah is mistreated by the other wife and women are like this to each other And I think it's quite horrible when women are so vicious to each other. They're they're like vipers sometimes. And we're going to see that here. And sometimes what we'll see is that men can be very oblivious to how horrible and cruel women can be to each other. So I pray that men are more observant of that and don't fall for the um whims or lies of women, especially of bad women, because Penina She may have been very fruitful in terms of being able to give birth, but she was an evil, wicked woman. She was very evil because she was so horrible to Hannah. But I want to make a point here, in God's holy word, Hannah found favor. The other wife did not. And I bring that up because, you know, I live in Oklahoma. I don't know where every single uh, listener lives, but You know, Oklahoma, there's a lot of pressure on women to get married young and have a bunch of kids. And now that marriage isn't really seen as a sacrament, even though it is, it's not seen as something to be valued. Now you've got these women that are having babies out of wedlock all the time. When, you know, outside of wedlock, it makes it very difficult to raise a child. So just because someone has a lot of kids, that doesn't mean their life is great. Is my point. because you can be blessed in other ways but what i find interesting is that this is nothing new where women can be really horrible to each other if you haven't given birth yet so if you are a woman and you're wanting to have a baby read up on hannah she was a very wonderful wife she got treated like dirt and trash by the other wife in this relationship so just make a note of that and if you're like this other wife that likes to put other women down Just so you know, you are just as evil and horrible as this second wife here. So you might want to change your ways because the way you're acting is not holy. And the way that we know it's not holy is that this second wife, she's not listed first. Hannah is. 
So so the Lord is very much aware of how people are mistreated, including the mistreatment of women at the hands of other women. And a thing that came to mind with that was, you know, sometimes we wonder how um bad countries or civilizations or societies how they get so bad and how things are allowed. Well, people turn on each other. An example of this that I just thought of in this moment and I didn't even prepare for that, but was in communist China. You're probably wondering why or how they're they have changed their one child law. I think that you're allowed to have two kids. Well, you're probably wondering how did they maintain a one a one child law, meaning you're only allowed to have one child. Again, I think it's up to two now, but we'll just for the sake of this story right here and for this analogy, we're going to say that they're still using the one child law. Well, what communist China does is if you get pregnant and you already have one child, if you're the woman, your evil wicked neighbors that don't really love you or care about you, and not all neighbors are bad, but this particular type of neighbor is evil and wicked. And it's mostly women that do this. It's the women in these villages and these towns in communist China, and this still happens today. They report the pregnant woman to the local police department. who are communist police people it's like way worse than the than the KGB of Russia um so what happens is is um you have your very evil wicked female neighbor and spying on you or notices that you've got a baby bump or notices that maybe you're not having a period or whatever the case may be women find out things it's really weird and so what this evil wicked neighbor does is they go and report your name to the police the chinese police department there in the locality the um the local police round you up if you're the wife and uh they take you away from your husband even if you're married they force you to go to this healthcare clinic and they force these women to have abortions and then they sterilize them against their will that's how evil some women can be okay they can be very horrible to each other That's what this Penina reminds me of. She thinks she's got it all, and later we're going to see here in this story that she rubs it in Hannah's face every day, year after year, that she has not been able to get pregnant and give birth and have a child. See, back in these times, in biblical times, it was extremely important for women to be able to have children. because if you are not able to have children first of all it could totally be the man's fault like there's there could be something wrong with his sperm um there could be something wrong with the the blood supply i mean there's so many things that can go wrong but it was always the woman that was blamed always always and in this case it was Hannah that was the problem it wasn't always like that but in this particular case it was Hannah whose womb was closed and she was not able to get pregnant back in biblical times if if you could not get pregnant you were seen as uh being cursed by god you were seen as really horrible you were seen as not doing your duty as a wife so the, so for the other wife to be really cruel to hannah just made it even worse and we'll see that later on in this story so it says and penina the other wife who again was not mentioned first because she's not a good wife had children but Hannah had no children and this man went up sorry went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh 
And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife, the bad wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, meaning double. He gave her double. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Now what I want to make a note of here is that even though Hannah's life was really tough and she was being treated really bad by this other evil wicked wife, right? The husband loved her. And he he knew his other wife was a you know what. We're we're going to not use bad words in this podcast because we're talking about God's holy word, but the husband he had to have known just how miserable this other wife was making Hannah. And so that's why he gave her a double portion. So just so you know, if ever you are in a situation where you're being mistreated, you don't like what's going on, God will use the people in your life to bless you. Even though you may be going through a wilderness or you may be right in the middle of a storm, God will find a way to bless you. He always does, he always will, and he will use the very people that are in your life to bless you. So that's why Hannah's husband gave her a double portion because he knew she was miserable. He knew that. He he could see what was going on, but he's also a little stupid and ignorant and we'll see that in a little bit later, but just so you know, even though you may be going through something that's really tough, it's not over until God says it's over and then even then he makes exceptions to the rule and he does this all the time. And here we see an exception. Hannah's husband didn't have to give her a double portion. That's not in the law. If anything, he he could have divorced her for not giving him any kids. He he could have mistreated her, he could have beat her, although that would be really horrible and evil, but I'm just saying like he didn't have to be kind to her, but he chose to be kind to her because he loved her. He was in love with her. And I bet you if anything, he loved Hannah way more than that other chick. That would be my guess. So it goes on to say, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for her for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Isn't it interesting that people that hate you will push a nerve or a button on you and do everything they can to make you miserable? And I've experienced this mostly in employment situations where I'll be working with someone and they will. find a way to push a button. And so typically what bad people do, evil people do this all the time. They hate you, but yet they may act like they like you, but they don't. And sometimes they just blatantly don't even hide they hate you. But what they do is they test you. They push all these different buttons on you and then when you really react to one, they're like, "Oh, that's the one I can torture them on." And they may not be thinking, "Oh, I want to torture them," but they that's what they're doing. See that's how cruel this other wife was. She knew that Hannah was probably being looked down upon in their town, their village, their city, their society because this other wife knew that Hannah didn't have any kids and it looked really bad. So instead of lifting Hannah up and praying with her, she looked down on her. She said, "Oh, I'm better than you because I can have I can have all these kids and you can't." So the husband must love me more. because when he has sex with me I actually get pregnant but you don't 
That's how evil this woman is, and that's how bad bad people are. They don't want to help lift you up. They want to push you further down into the ground because this other wife hated Hannah. I bet Hannah was a very beautiful woman. That that's the number one reason why women hate other women. They're jealous. So there was something that Hannah had that this bad wife, this other bad wife did not have. I need to reword that. Hannah wasn't a bad wife. When I say the other bad wife, that means that both wives were bad. They were not. There was something that Hannah had that the bad wife did not have. And so that's why this wife other wife was not very kind to Hannah. If I had to guess, Hannah was very beautiful, very kind, and I bet the bad wife knew that the husband loved Hannah more and felt sorry for her and wanted to be kind to her, wanted to really pamper her because she wasn't giving him any kids. Well, this other wife, she she didn't care that Hannah was suffering and was tormented emotionally. Technically, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, she was tormented. So really for some reason this jumps out at me this time and I think the reason why is because you have to remember who your enemy is. Your enemy is the devil. And what he does is he uses people that will do his bidding and his will. And so this wife, this other one, Penina, she was basically just being used by Satan. Because is anything this woman did kind, pleasant, or holy? No, she was horrible to Hannah. Made her life a living hell on earth. And so what this Penna, this other wife, doesn't realize is that she's just being used. She's so stupid. She is unbelievably a moron. See, that's what I don't get about bad people is that they don't realize who they're actually being manipulated by. Like when you're evil. When you behave in a really horrible way, you have basically degraded yourself and you have allowed yourself to be turned into a puppet for the devil to manipulate you and to be horrible and cruel to other people, which none of us are none of us are called to do that. Cuz all of us, including this horrible wife, all of us were made in the image of God. Well, if we're made in the image of God, we're not supposed to behave like this bad wife. We're supposed to be like Hannah, be kind. Regardless of what happens to us, we're supposed to be kind. So if anything, I bet Hannah is was a very patient and kind wife, and I bet that's why the husband was so sweet to her. Would be my guess, and that's probably why he did not divorce her or shame her, was because he knew that she already had enough to live with, and he and he, and he just wanted to continue to love her, regardless of the circumstances. He didn't want to give up on her. Does that make sense? Cuz I mean I mean sometimes we have situations that are bad but they're made worse when bad people get involved. So if you're in a, a bad situation, get away from bad people because all all that a bad person is going to do is just dump garbage on you, which is exactly what this other wife did to Hannah. But the tide is going to turn. We're going to see that here just so you know the tide is going to turn and the Lord has seen all of this and he's going to take up for Hannah. cuz he doesn't allow his children to be mistreated especially not by his other children okay so it says here and as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the lord so she provoked her therefore she wept and did not eat that's how bad evil people are 
especially some really wicked women. Guys can be bad too, but there's something very vicious about a bad woman. She knows that this woman is she knows that Hannah is vexed, that that she's upset. And so she just wants to make her life worse, so Hannah is weeping and she's not eating. Well, well what happens to the human body when when you are upset all the time and you don't eat? Guess what? It messes up your hormones, especially for a woman. So this other wife, she knew that if she could get Hannah upset, number 1, the husband may not want to sleep with her. And number 2, that will can perpetuate her ability her inability excuse me to not give birth to not get pregnant because your hormone levels especially in a woman's body are very important this other wife knew that she did everything she could to be mean and cruel to Hannah made her life a living hell and Hannah was stuck there with this but as i said the tide is turning here we go it says then said elkana Elkana her husband to her Hannah why weepest thou and why eatest thou not and why is thy heart grieved am i sorry am not i better to thee than 10 sons okay sometimes men can be really stupid it, it reminds me of what Marilyn Monroe said men are stupid and like big boobs <laughs> that's what Hannah said or not Hannah that's what uh, excuse me she did not say that that's what Marilyn Monroe said to Joan Rivers years and years and years ago cuz Joan Rivers actually met at Marilyn Monroe and um Joan Rivers never forgot that but it's so true this husband here he's like you know what why can't you just be happy with me do you have to have kids to be happy hmm yes yes my goodness sometimes men can be so dumb and so oblivious and other times they are spot on with stuff But sometimes men can be really much a dingling or dumb as a brick or just not really take into consideration what a woman is going through because I I bet it was even worse back then where where it's like oh just hormones or just this just that. I mean, I would think that he would how hard were this? I would think that if this guy really believes in God, which he does, because he's going up every year to give a sacrifice, right? He's obviously a very religious man, but what I find interesting is that nowhere does it mention that the husband prayed for her. Nowhere does it mention that the husband went up to the temple and asked one of the the prophets there or one of the priests to say a special prayer for his wife so that her womb would be open. Instead, Hannah's husband's attitude was, "Well, why can't you just be happy with me?" When that's not that's not loving. And that's not being kind, really. That's just that's just poo-pooing her problem. That's just going, "Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you can't have kids. So why why don't you just be happy with me?" Well, obviously she's not happy. It's not that she's not happy with him. She's unhappy about the situation. So here we see the husband practicing avoidance. Cuz his thing is he he has sex with multiple wives. It says here he has two. It was common for them to have more, more than that and I have concubines and things like that. But see, he's looking at it from a a male purely a natural male point of view. You know, he he has these wives, he can have sex with them whatever he wants. He's thinking, well, at least I'm getting this one pregnant. So why do I need to get her pregnant? 
See right there he's not living in the holy will of God. Because he's not really loving his wife to the best of his ability. And the reason why we see that in regards to his relationship with Hannah is that he's not going to the Lord and asking him to heal his wife. He's just accepting the facts. Even though he knows that God can do great and wonderful things, he's not really caring about Hannah to the extent that we are all cared that that we are all called to care about each other. You know, you know, let's say for example, I was married and um let's say for example there was something wrong with my husband's sperm count. I wouldn't just accept that even in this day and age, even though I know there's stuff that we can do, you know, in terms of like medicine and, you know, fertility type things and all that kind of stuff. But even so, I would immediately take that up with the Lord in prayer. And some people may not understand like how important it is to do that cuz you know I think the church the Christian church has been infiltrated by lies. And just so you know, lies come straight out of the depths of hell because God does not lie. He always tells us the truth and he expects us to do the same. He he expects us to live in truth. So here's the thing. In the church, I've noticed And I don't just mean one denomination, but I mean the Christian church as a whole. There's a lot of this shaming and blaming that, well, if my husband's sperm count is low, you know, I can't really lift that up in prayer because, you know, we we shouldn't say the word sperm, we shouldn't talk about sex, um we shouldn't talk about procreation, um we shouldn't talk about fertility and we should just accept the fact. We should just accept the facts and move on. And I just go, where in the Bible does it say to do that? First of all, there is no shame in your body. God made you. He loves you. And if you have a fertility problem, you go to the Lord with that first, just like in a split second, go to the Lord with it. You can still go to any doctor you want. That's that's great. We love modern medicine. That's wonderful. But your heavenly Father and Jesus Christ is the divine physician, the divine healer. There is nothing that he cannot do. There I mean it's the, the possibilities are endless with our heavenly father and plus we have the father the son and the holy spirit. So that's a lot of power right there and just the name of Jesus will help you in any and every situation but unfortunately I have noticed in the church especially here in Oklahoma it's like you can't talk about sex. I mean you you can't You can't hardly pray about the things that are really going in your going on in your life because people are scared to talk about what's actually going on. They're scared of being shamed and they don't want people to know their private information. I don't blame them on that. However, I think we need to stop shaming and blaming because guess what? We're seeing that shaming and blaming happening here in the Old Testament. even while this man is taking his two wives up to the temple to to worship God and i just find it interesting that this husband is so stupid so ignorant just so maybe ignorant is the right word but just stupid and just lazy is what i want to think he's he's gotten comfortable in his position he obviously is wealthy because he has two wives possibly more he has all these kids with the, the other wife he can have sex with his wives whenever he wants so he's physically mentally and emotionally satisfied but spiritually he's dead 
Why? Because he's not he's not really caring about Hannah. He just gives her possessions or a double portion, which is awesome, that's great. But the only reason why, I shouldn't say the only reason. One of the reasons why he's giving her a double portion is because he he just he wants her to be quiet. He wants her to stop crying and it it says he's basically saying, "Hey, why why can't you just be happy with me?" Well, that's ignoring the problem. So obviously he is aware of how upset Hannah is. He's so aware of it that he's pampering her. He's giving her a double portion and he obviously does love her. But sometimes our our love for other people can fall short. And it can fall short of the goodness of God. See, what I think this husband should have done if he had really understood the holy will of God and if he had loved Hannah like really loved her completely and not just used her for food and sex and for marital status, if he had really loved her, the moment she was not able to conceive, the moment they realized, "Hey, we've got a problem here," he should have gone up to that temple with an offering and talked to the priest and said, "We have a problem." But we know the Lord can do signs, miracles, wonders. We know that the Lord can heal my wife. That's what we want. He didn't do that at all. He was comfortable being able to have sex with whatever with whatever wife was in his tent at the time. And he just got complacent. Sometimes that's how Christians are. We 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 get complacent in our faith instead of waking up and being diligent and realizing, "Hey, I really need to pray for this person." And especially if it's someone in our personal life, we should be praying for them. That doesn't mean that we should take on their sorrow and then you have two miserable people. No, it means that you lift that other person up. Well, he's not really lifting her up. If anything, he's kind of ignoring her problem, a little bit putting her down, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you just focus on me? If you focus on me, you'll be happy." Isn't that a selfish way of handling a situation? Because the the correct way to handle that problem would have been, "Why don't we put our eyes on the Lord?" and he will provide. But her husband didn't do that. That might have been part of the problem. Was that her husband didn't believe her womb could be opened. See, sometimes, I shouldn't say sometimes, whenever you are around doubt and unbelief, hardly anything good is going to be happening in your life because doubt and unbelief poisons and ruins everything. And poor Hannah She's got a a dumb husband. I could use a different word, but she's got a dumb husband who's got it all. And then the other wife is so cruel and hateful to her. I mean, just imagine what Hannah is having to live with and deal with on this. When if you think about it, what should have been going on in this situation is that both the husband and the other wife should have said, "Hannah, we know there's a problem, so we're going to we are going to pray with you." Let's leave now and go to the temple, offer a sacrifice, and we know that God will answer our prayer. But neither the husband nor the other wife did that. The other wife hated her. The husband was lazy, slothful, dumb, just selfish, I guess. 
See, that's how selfish people act sometimes. They say, "Well, why 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 can't you just be happy?" You know, I know your life's not that great, but but why can't you just be happy for me? See, that's what that says about this husband. He was focused on himself, not his wives. Because if he had been really showing love and protection to Hannah, he would have told the other wife, "Don't ever treat her like that. I love both of you." And being that I love both of you, you cannot and will not ever treat Hannah like that again. Do you understand me? But it doesn't say he did that. However, the tide is going to turn. So let's let's go on here. It says, "So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, "O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head." So, Hannah was so upset She didn't know what else to do. She by herself went to the temple and prayed. Her husband didn't pray with her, the other wife didn't pray with her, that the kids of the other wife did not pray with her or for her. I bet they wanted to throw rocks at her. They probably wanted to spit on her. They probably said horrible things to her because guess what? Their mother is saying horrible things to her. So Hannah in her misery and her distress went to the temple on her own. I bet that was a very lonely, stressful walk, knowing that she was living with so much shame. That would be horrible, but it's getting better. It says, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart; only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Isn't it interesting how people can shame and blame you, and they don't ask you first what's going on? Even Eli did this. He just assumed she was drunk. So, I think it really brings to mind assuming is not always the best way to judge someone. It's actually never the best way to judge someone. And sometimes people that God puts in our lives, sometimes they make the first wrong impression. They make a wrong assumption. But what's interesting is that God always gives us second chances. He even gives second chances to the people that he brings into our life that initially failed us. And then when they initially fail us, they will come back and help us. That's what we see here with Eli. So it goes on. And Hannah answered and said, "No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, meaning a wicked woman. She's saying, 'Don't count me as wicked. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken unto thee, or hitherto.' Then Eli answered and said, 'Go in peace.'" And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. See right there 
The first thing that Eli says to her is go in peace. Meaning don't don't think that this problem is a problem anymore. It's not. God has heard your prayer. Don't have any more anxiety. You can hold your head high. Everything's going to be fine. You are a daughter of the God most high. No more no more weeping, no more starving yourself. You are high above that other person that is being mean to you. That's basically what he's saying to her. Go in peace. Have peace in your heart. And then the second thing he says, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. So he's basically giving her a blessing right there in the temple. Now my thinking is First of all that's a beautiful scene. Beautiful. And whenever whenever I pass away from this earth, I want to meet Eli and I want to give a big hug to Hannah. And I I just am so impressed with her, her her courage. Cuz it took guts to walk by herself to the temple, pour out her heart to the Lord. She gets falsely accused of being a drunk and of being an evil woman. But she tells the truth to Eli of what's been going on, basically, and he realizes that he was wrong to judge her. And so, in that moment, that's why he tells her to go in peace because he knows that she needs peace, and that he was wrong to judge her and to shame her like that. And so, instead of shaming and blaming her. he reinforced the blessing of God on her life. See cuz even when our womb is closed or our dream hasn't come to pass, that doesn't mean we're cursed. It just means our miracle has not shown up yet. Hannah needed to know that she was still loved by Almighty God because she was not getting love in the home. Sex is not love. Physical sex? Yes. It is part of marriage. Yes, it is a love act, but that's not love in its purest form because if it was, you you would think that, "Hey, well, she's having sex all the time with her husband. Why can't she just be happy?" Sex does not it does not fulfill the heart and the soul. It's just a physical thing. Is it pleasurable? Pleasurable? Sure. But if that was all Hannah needed, she was already getting that. She wanted more and she deserved more. Why? Because she's a daughter of Almighty God, and she is not forgotten. She is loved. See, unfortunately, in our society today, sex is viewed as oh, well, that that's that's love. So if you're getting sex, you should be happy. Have you noticed how many sexually active people are not happy? Obviously, sex is not the answer. Sex is the cherry on top of the cake, as they say, or on top of the sundae. But if you don't have everything that's below that, if you don't have real love, compassion, kindness, goodness, respect, honor, holiness, if you don't have those other things, then the sex first of all is probably not going to be that great. And number 2, it's not going to sustain your relationship. And it obviously was not sustaining her marriage here. Because Hannah was just feeling used. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. If all she needed was great sex or just sex in general, she would not have been unhappy, but she was very unhappy. 
And Eli knew that. He could figure out real quick from her request and from what was going on that hey, she's dealing with a lot of public shame right now. And she doesn't deserve that because she's a daughter of the God most high. That's why Eli gave her a blessing. So that's why I say whenever you're going through something really tough, get away from the doubt and unbelief. Get away from bad people because bad people are only going to make your life worse. Let me put it this way, if Hannah had not left that table where everybody else is drinking and being merry, if she had not left that table, we would not hear about her getting pregnant later on. Cuz it would not have happened. The more you are around doubt and unbelief, the more it ruins your life. And here's the thing, her husband and that other wife, they're they're dream killers and they're joy stealers. They were not acknowledging Hannah as a human being. And they were not acknowledging her as a daughter of Almighty God. She was just someone that was there. I mean, he was providing for her, and I do think he loved her, but not in the best possible way. I think I think he could have done a better job, and also he could have told that other wife to shut up or be respectful. But he didn't do that. So sometimes. Actually every time something bad happens we should go to God first because people can let us down and Hannah knew that that's probably what was really breaking her heart was that everyone she went to in her household was turning on her did not really love her did not support her and shamed her So that's why she went to God that's why she walked that lonely walk to the temple by herself That would be such a difficult thing to do That's no different than let's say for example you have gone to church in a long time. You feel that you need to go back to church and you know that you need to go back to church. But what's the hardest part? Pulling into the parking lot of the church, getting out of your car and walking into that building. That walk is one of the hardest walks you will ever have to make in your life. Why? Because you're leaving the past behind and you're walking towards Christ. It shouldn't be hard, but it is. Because you're having to turn away spiritually, physically, and emotionally, you're having to turn away from what isn't working, from the only thing that you've ever known. And you're having to go to Christ. You're having to go to God. Because he is the only way. And Hannah knew that, even in her agony and her misery. She knew that, but she also knew that God was the only one that could help her and he could help her. and that he was not going to forget her like these other people forgot her. See, I don't know if you realize this, but in the scripture it doesn't say anywhere in here where someone said, "Hey, where are you going? Oh, you're going to the temple? Oh, you're praying about that? Oh, hey, why don't we all go? We would love to pray pray with you and for you." We would love to do that. Nobody did that. Sometimes our journey of drawing closer to God can be one of the loneliest, scariest journeys that there is. but God still calls us to himself because we are his. And what's interesting is that even though that walk quote unquote feels lonely, God is right there with you all the time. Jesus is with you there the entire time. Just keep walking, keep drawing closer and closer to God. He will get you where you need to go and he will answer your prayer, which is what happens here. He will answer that prayer. So here we go. It says then Eli answered and said go in peace. 
meaning don't be upset anymore. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked him. He didn't say, "Oh, if it be thy will, if it be God's will." He didn't use the word if. If the word if should be banned from the English language. Because if creates doubt. Eli did not doubt God. He did not doubt the majesty of God's power. He did not doubt the goodness of God. He literally said, "The God of Israel grant thee thy petition," meaning it's going to happen. He didn't say, "Well, God might, he might not, you know, we're, we're not really sure. You got a 50/50 chance here." I mean, take take your pick, but you know, don't really, don't really plan on. It. I mean, you've been infertile for a long time. I mean, some, you know, if it's God's will, He'll do it. If it's not His will, He won't. Eh. Eli didn't do that, but other people in her life did that. See, doubt and unbelief will always bring fear and tragedy. It will always bring hardship and anxiety. But Eli did not do that with her. He immediately said, "And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition," meaning it's going to happen. It's not if; it's only a matter of when. And technically, the answer is already on the way. That is faith. See, if ever someone says, "Oh well, God might; He might not," that's not faith. That's a doubter. Get away from a doubter. Does that build you up or put you down? It puts you down when someone's doubting stuff. Even if it's in your family, even if it's a friend. Of course, that's not a good friend, but. you know or if it's an employer or if it's a coworker or just you know a neighbor distance yourself from people that don't really believe in the goodness of God that don't really believe that God can do the impossible God is the only one that can do the impossible so why not go to him with everything because he makes everything that's impossible possible because he loves us so then it goes on to say and she said let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. So she knew in her heart and in her soul her prayer had been answered. She was no longer sad. She was eating, she was drinking, her health was being restored. And I bet that other wife took note of it. I bet Hannah had a beautiful glow about her because she knew that God loved her. He heard her prayer and he granted her request, her petition. So here's the thing, just because you got haters in your life, they don't have the final say. God has the final say. So that phrase haters be hating, yeah, that that's the other wife and technically her husband a little bit. I don't think he hated her, but he didn't really support her the way he should have, but here's the thing. God knows what other people are doing. He knows what your adversary is doing. He knows what bad people are doing. But he says go in peace always have peace in your heart because when you don't have peace it just allows all this other garbage because that's what it is it's garbage all this bad stuff into your mind into your soul and then you start to believe all the lies i can only imagine what horrible hateful things this other wife was saying to hannah well guess what after some time sometimes you you start to believe those lies but hannah still held on to the truth of god's word She knew that God loved her otherwise she would not have gone to the temple even though she was really sad. She knew that God was the only one that could help her. Because her family was her husband was not going to help her and the other people in her family or her clan or whatever they didn't love her, they didn't respect her, they were not going to want what's best for her. Because they accepted things at face value. I'll give an example of this. Let's say for example you've been diagnosed with something 
And your family's like, well, I guess uh, you're going to have to live with it for the you know, rest of your life. There's really no chance of it getting better. Why would you want to take, take in that garbage into your brain? Like, that's how negative people can be. Like, I, I understand there's some people that, that they don't understand the goodness of God. And God bless them, you know, help them to understand. But I don't mean you help them understand. I mean, God needs to help them. Because obviously, if they're already negative about you and your situation, it's not you that needs to help them. It's God that can help them. But see, here's the thing. Sometimes people are just naturally, well, we're just going to go with the facts. And if God wants to do something good, he'll do it. But if not, you know, this is the, this is the medical report. Well, here's the thing. Whenever something comes up medical, whatever it may be, God has the final say. Not the pathologist report, not the lab report, not the doctor's report. We love modern medicine, that's great. But here's the thing, whenever you get a report, the first thing you should do is take that up in prayer and say, "Lord, I have this report right here. It says XYZ, but I know that you have the final say." and i know that you will heal me i know that you will you love me you bless me and that this is nothing for you you can swap this like a fly then here's the thing that's how you're talking to god but here's here's the opposite side of this so you go to your family or your friends or whoever and, and you tell them what's going on oh really that's terrible wow so how long do you have to live how much is that treatment going to cost oh man You know, considering how bad that news is, have have you thought about just not working anymore? You know, like maybe someone that's healthy could just have your job, you know, because they're they're actually going to live longer than you, so maybe they should make that money and you shouldn't. You know, because your life doesn't look really good right now. You know, you know sh- shouldn't you just go home and not really do much with your life anymore? I mean, I mean, do do you really want to own a house anymore? Why why don't you sign that over to us, your family? Why don't you sign over all your property to us because you know things don't look very good for you right now. So maybe this is a good time to get, you know, everything, your finances in order, you know, maybe call the funeral home, you know, make it easier on us because, you know, we didn't get the bad news. We didn't get the bad news you did. So you're the problem. You're the one that's got the issue, but we're healthy. So maybe all your stuff should be our our possessions, not yours. Do you see how evil that is? That is wicked. And straight out of the depths of hell. You will be surprised how people think and talk, especially people closest to you and your family, especially families and close friends. The first thing they think about is your possessions, your property, your money, and they think that you don't deserve what you have anymore because of a bad report, a bad medical news or whatever. And that you should just give up. You shouldn't really hope for the best. You sh- you should just accept everything at face value. And no one says we should pray for you. We should read the goodness of God. We should read about the miracles that God performed in the Old Testament and the New Testament with his son Jesus Christ. I very rarely hear of people that when they get a bad medical report, I very rarely hear that their family immediately went to God with that report and stood on God's holy word that everything was going to be fine. You still do everything medically that you need to do to a certain extent as long as it's not going to kill you. But you need to put God first in everything. But what's interesting is that in Hannah's situation, no one that she was around in her family put God first. Her husband was doing the rituals like a Pharisee or a Sadducee almost. 
He was obviously religious, but did he really have faith? He had religion, but he didn't have the will of God. He had religiosity down, but he didn't have goodness and kindness down. That that's the difference between the love of God and the love of people. Sometimes the love of people can be very fickle. And they just look at everything in the natural. Well, we serve a supernatural God. He's not phased by some medical report or some lab or some doctor's report or he's not phased by any of that. He says, "Come to me, I will heal you. Bring your request to me. Come come to the temple. Come to the temple of my heart. I will heal you." Hannah knew that. And in the temple was one of God's prophets, one of his messengers. And thank goodness he gave Hannah a chance to speak. Because men were not always very nice to women back then. He could have easily thrown her out of the temple, called her a harlot, all these other things. But even though initially he thought she was drunk, he was still kind and respectful to her. He didn't kick her out. He didn't shame her like that. He shamed her in terms of accusing her of falsely being drunk, but he could have done a lot worse. And he realized he was wrong. So in that moment, not only did he realize he was wrong, he wanted to help Hannah. He wanted to help her and make sure that she was going to be all right, and he knew that God was the only way that she was going to be all right. And sometimes we need to be around good people. We need to be around people that lift us up and not put us down. Because half of the half the battle, if not ninety percent of the battle, in any kind of circumstance, any kind of situation where it's physical, mental, or emotional, the battle's in the mind. Because if you tell yourself you're sick, guess what? Your body goes, "Oh, I'm sick. I guess I should act sick." So then your cells literally start to act sick. They they get reprogrammed. But if you tell yourself, "I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm whole. I'm a child of the God Most High. I am blessed. I'm prosperous." Guess what? Your body wakes up. And then guess what the people the the bitter betties that are around you the vipers the viper women that are in your life they're going to be like wait a second who does she think she is to think she's got it all I'm a child of the god most high that's why I have it all so zip it viper woman how would you like to have that on your resume viper woman how many years have you been doing this job 35 years and I will never retire from it that's how bad evil is it never wants to stop So anyway, moving on. It says and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came home or came to their house in Rama. And Elkanah knew his wife, basically he made love to her, and the Lord remembered her. God heard her petition, her prayer, and he opened her womb. He did not forget her. It, God never forgets his covenant. God never forgets his promises. People may forget you and throw you away like a piece of garbage or trash. God never does that. God is never the problem. It's bad people that are being allowed, they have allowed themselves to be used by Satan to be bad and evil and wicked. That's the problem. God is never the problem. He is always the solution. It says, "And the Lord remembered her." 
Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bore a son and called his name Samuel saying because I have asked of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his wife went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. So he's still practicing religiosity, religion, you know, which is what they're supposed to do back then. They had certain rituals and things they had to do. But Hannah went not up For she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. So she's remembering her promise to God. See, sometimes we make promises to God, like he does his side of it, but then we don't do our side. So if you make a promise, fulfill it. Because it's really important, especially here. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Terry until thou have weaned him only the lord establish his word so he's saying do what you need to do i know that you have asked of this from god do what you think is best with this so the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him so basically she's breastfeeding him and then she weans him and when she had weaned him she took him up with her with three bullocks and one epha a flower and a bottle of a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli and she said oh my lord as my soul liveth my lord i am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the lord for this child i prayed and the lord hath given me my petition which i asked of him therefore also i have lent him to the lord as long as he liveth he shall be lent to the lord and he worshiped the lord there now that is beautiful notice here that from the moment hana went to god went to his temple that bitter betty viper wife the other one the other wife is not mentioned at all and her husband is hardly mentioned it's all about hana and her relationship with god and god brought the right people into her life that would be eli See that's why you have to get away from bad people. Hannah knew that. She knew the only way that she could have a baby was to leave the table where she was cuz all these other people were happy. They loved their life, but they didn't care at all that she was miserable. So she knew that she could take her need, her concern directly to God. And so when she left that table, the viper woman is no longer mentioned. The dumb sloth husband isn't mentioned that much anymore except when he says, "Hey, do whatever you need to do. I trust you," kind of thing. The only other people that are mentioned is Hannah, Eli, and our heavenly father. See, when you go to God, he puts a hedge of protection around you. He puts your adversary in their place. See, that other wife's not mentioned anywhere else. I mean in chapter 1 after she goes to the Lord. So basically that viper woman, I think vipers, I think they have teeth or, or am I thinking of let me look up snakes here. Since this woman reminds me of such a horrible viper woman. Da 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 da. da. Okay, let me look up. Cuz this is really interesting cuz sometimes when you look up animals, it really explains people. So let me and let me pause it and look this up. I'll be right back. 
Okay, folks, it's a good thing I looked this up. Um, the viper is a snake and it is venomous. So uh, that pretty much means they have things. Um, so very interesting about that is that, you know, in regards to Hannah and the other wife, you know, bad people are never going to want what's good for you. What they do is... They make it seem like that you have no way out. That's what snakes do. Like when they put a stranglehold, they just squeeze and squeeze and squeeze that little rabbit or that mouse or that rat or whatever they're trying to kill. They squeeze it. And then um, sometimes they put their fangs in them to basically finish the kill. Well, whenever this other woman, uh, the viper woman in this marriage, um, was being mean to Hannah, she was squeezing her. And whenever she was being really cruel to her, she was putting her fangs in her. She was poisoning Hannah's life. She was poisoning her mind, her will, her emotions. And we know that because Hannah, poor Hannah, she was sad all the time. And she wasn't eating. But thank goodness we have a God that is mighty. He defanged that viper woman. And he put her in her place. So one way that God puts people in their place is he promotes and blesses you, the victim. He basically lifts up the very person that the viper was trying to kill, devour, and remove from the face of the earth. So what the Lord does, he lifts up the weak and makes them strong. He defangs the viper and he declaws the lion. That's what our Lord does every day of our lives. We need to give him a chance to do that. I mention that because it's very, it's very tempting to want to do it all on our own, especially Americans. We have this intense pressure on us that we, we need to be successful. We've got to pull ourselves up our bootstraps. I mean, you name it. It's, it's this extreme intensity That we put on ourselves and we put on other people. And that was never God's plan. That was never in God's will. Is it important to be successful? Yes. Is it important to be happy? Yes. But you see, pretty much everybody that Hannah was around within her immediate family, her husband's family, was um, pretty horrible to her. And it doesn't say that the husband called these people out on it. He just kept doing his thing. Basically, he went to his man cave every day and just didn't want to handle what was going on in his own family. He wasn't being a good provider. He wasn't protecting his wife, Hannah, from evil people, even from within his own family. His response was, why can't you just be happy? That, that kind of reminds me of like a workplace violence situation. Like a hostile work environment. Like, for example, you're being mistreated really bad. You're being harassed. You don't feel safe. You go to management. And they say, why can't you just be happy? Because they view you as the problem. They're putting it back on you, the victim, instead of handling the oppressor. Instead of correcting the oppressor or firing them or whatever the case may be. See, nowhere in here does it say that Hannah's husband... 
called his other wife out on her bad behavior. He just kept having sex with her and having all these kids, and he knew it was upsetting Hannah because her womb had been closed. You know, as I said before, if I was married and I had a husband who had a low sperm count or something like that, I would immediately lift that up in prayer as well as go to a doctor. But the first thing would be go to God with that problem. Because if God can part the Red Sea, He can heal anyone and everyone of fertility issues. Fertility is nothing. It, it, it's 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 an easy fix to God. You want a bunch of children? Go to God with that request and get in agreement with Him. Don't get in agreement with Debbie Downer people. Look, a viper is just that. It's a venomous snake. Like, why would you believe? or choose to be around venomous people all they're ever going to do is destroy your hopes and your dreams they're they're what i call soul sucking people like when you put god first he will defang your adversaries and that's adversaries with an s see if you think about her husband was also an adversary in a way he wasn't as bad as the viper woman but you know not really caring about someone else when they're in pain is just as evil as being cruel because you're you you're lacking empathy or sympathy i think it's called it's apathetic i can't remember what the right word is but it's where you're just kind of eh doesn't really bother me so why should i take a stand for anything gee i don't know what your wife and your other wife is treating her like dirt You know there there needs to be accountability here. But Hannah's husband was not he wasn't standing in faith the way he was supposed to. He was practicing religiosity. He probably had the right sacrifices, wore the right robes, had the right hairdo, the right and I say hairdo and beard because men back then it was really strict on how they could dress and how they could uh, groom themselves because it was part of their worship. So I have no doubt that he had all that stuff down. Cuz it's obvious that he he believed in God, but he obviously did not believe in the power of God. Because if he had put as much effort into his faith just as much as he did in putting in energy and effort into religiosity, his wife could have been healed way before this happened. Way before and he should have told his other wife you have to be kind to people your behavior is not appropriate that doesn't mean putting your wife in her place that's not what that means i'm not talking about that i'm talking about if you know someone is being cruel to someone else in your house and the and the victim is um very much browbeaten they may not have the courage or the strength to 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 continue to stand up for themselves so it's important that the people that do have strength encourage that they stand up for the oppressed well her husband wasn't doing that and that's a perfect example of where when god steps in he always stands up for the oppressed he doesn't put up with viper woman viper woman's nothing compared to god and if anything it disappoints god when people act like how the viper woman acted and how the husband acted Because 
I think sometimes men, the way that you know when a man has gotten lazy is he doesn't practice honor every day in his life. He gets comfortable in his job, his marriage or marriages in this case. He gets comfortable and then he doesn't he doesn't look at things the same way anymore because he's comfortable. He he slacks off in terms of viewing things the way they're supposed to be seen. So then when he slacks off, then he doesn't have the wisdom or the knowledge or the insight to handle situations immediately when they come up. Because in God's holy word here, we see that year after year this viper woman was horrible to Hannah. Year after year. Now, as you and I very well know, there are 365 days in a year. So that means on a minimum, Hannah had to deal with this 365 times. Can you imagine dealing with the venomous viper woman 365 times? That's just one year. And she had to live with this woman and her stupid probably viper kids. See, here's how stupid Hannah's husband was. Because he didn't correct or inform his other wife of her bad behavior and tell her to stop, her kids are probably going to be just as bad as her. Because they're going to follow the example of their mother and their father. And what do they see from their mother and their father? They see Viper woman being really cruel to Hannah, and they see their father not standing up for the oppressed, which was his other wife, Hannah. So what are the odds that these kids are going to grow up and have honor and dignity and practice that every day of their lives? That's why Hannah's child, Samuel, was worthy to be in the temple with Eli. Viper woman's kids, they were nowhere to be found in the temple with Eli because they were not worthy to be there. They were worthy in other ways to do other things in their life because we all have value because God loves everyone, but you how word this nothing unholy can be in the presence of god it cannot be in his temple hannah knew that that's why she took her request to god because she knew that how she's being treated by her husband and viper woman and probably other people as well in that society they were acting in an unholy manner they were giving themselves permission to treat someone that they thought was below them in a bad manner see that that's that's what oppression is it's where someone thinks they're better than you and they can just do whatever they want to you because they see your circumstance and think oh you're cursed you know, you should just be written off forever like you know like a leper god didn't write off hana but people did God did not write off Hannah, but society did. People didn't believe in Hannah, but God did. I encourage you really read up on Hannah. She's a very strong, beautiful woman. And it takes courage to go to God, especially when you have nowhere else to go. and that's probably how she felt. God saw her pain, her agony. He saw all of her agony. He never turned her away. He also saw her husband's indifference 
That's probably the best word to describe him. He was indifferent. He didn't care that she's being mistreated. He didn't correct that issue. He didn't stop stop the maltreatment at home. He just said basically it's like it's kind of like a, a marriage where the wife is very unhappy with her husband and this is not I'm I'm not replicating exactly what happened here but it's like if a, you have a husband and a wife the husband's very rich and he's got a girlfriend on the side that's like 20 years younger than the wife and so he appeases the wife the wife knows about the relationship basically with the younger woman and the husband says well you know I've given you all this money I've given you a house you know here's a fur I'll give you a fur every year just to show how much I care about you but I'm not going to give up the girlfriend on the side but I'm going to give you all these extra gifts to make up for for your um sadness and then when the wife is still upset that her husband is having an affair he says why can't you just be happy with what I give you why can't you just be happy with me Well, it's because of the behavior problem. It's the same thing here with Hannah, her husband, Viper woman. Hannah didn't like how she was being treated by her husband. He thought that he could just buy buy her off. He could just buy her silence, basically. That doesn't work with women. And that doesn't work with Almighty God. You can't buy someone's silence. and and you you can't purchase love you can't purchase kindness you can't purchase dignity you cannot purchase honor you cannot purchase respect and i bet her husband over time slowly i mean slowly figured this out and that probably came from god Because God loves him too. That's the thing. As much as we may not like what has happened here to Hannah, and we don't like Viper Woman, and we don't like her befuddled husband or whatever, God loves them too. And that might shock some people, but God loves all of His children. But love doesn't mean that He turns a blind eye. See, that's what her husband did. He turned a blind eye to Viper Woman. And then he tried to make up for it to Hannah by giving her a double portion, which is a blessing, yes. But he still wasn't supporting her in the way that she needed to be supported to be his wife. He wasn't really honoring her. He was dismissing her agony. God never dismisses our agony. He never dismisses our hardship. He uses it for our good. And you're probably thinking, "Well, why would God do that? Why can't he just fix it?" That's what it is. When God corrects your problem, that's him using other people's evil intentions for your good so that you come out bigger and better than before. And people will know that God loves you and he is not going to put up with bad evil people, much less their intentions. See there there's this theory out there or this way of thinking that oh well God just he just allows bad things to happen because he wants to teach us a lesson. That is a load of bull and I could use a whole other word to describe that but that's a lie straight out of the depths of hell. Bad things 
can and will happen in our world, but that doesn't mean we're cursed or we're tormented. Bad things happen because our world is fallen, like we're not in the garden of Eden. But that doesn't mean that we just accept everything that's bad. We are still called to have a good life. Regardless of what what occurs, you know, regardless of what occurs. Like for example, if Hannah had just accepted her situation, oh, I'm barren, you know, I have a husband, at least the other wife, you know, yeah, she's a viper, but at least she's able to give him some kids. You know, she could have totally just withered away and died. Cuz sorrow can kill you. But she knew she wasn't called to live a sorrowful life. She knew that she was called to something better, even if no one around her believed in her or believed her destiny was just as important as somebody else's. She still looked to God. She still looked to him. You know, I was reading here about this viper. I was looking at its snake diet. Okay. It says vipers eat a variety of food depending on the size of the snake. Prey includes small animals, birds, lizards, and eggs. When their prey is dead, they swallow it whole. Vipers engage in a hunting activity called prey relocation. That's exactly what viper woman did to Hannah. She was weakening her over time. You're no good. You're barren. I'm better than you. I'm probably better in bed than you. Who do you think you are? You're barren. No one loves you. He doesn't really love you. No one cares about you. Little by little by little, Viper Woman was horrible to Hannah. So much so that she was sorrowful, just miserable, and she had stopped eating. That's when Viper Woman thought that she could totally annihilate Hannah. She wanted to swallow up Hannah's dreams, her hopes. She wanted to swallow up whole so that Hannah would have nothing. That's what viper people do, especially bad women. Women are notorious for this. Men are more like I don't know rhinoceroses. They've got um they can be very aggressive but they can also be standoffish women when they're bad they just slowly wrap themselves around your life around your hopes your dreams they interfere in your decisions they interfere with your money they interfere with your bank account they interfere with your property they are quick to tell you oh well this is what i would do you know i'm a parent or i'm engaged or I've already done that so I know what I'm doing. That's a viper woman. You need to learn to spot that cuz they are everywhere. I mean, you may think we've got a snake problem, you know, out in the wilderness, but we got a bigger snake problem in society with bad people acting like vipers. They're they're just they're cunning. That's the thing. And what you have to remember is that vipers, snakes are cold-blooded. That's what Viper Woman was. She was a cold-blooded dream killer. And get this, her husband had sex with her. That's how dumb this man was. 
He married a viper woman, kept procreating with her, had all these viper kids. When Hannah is nothing like that, that's probably why viper woman hated Hannah was because she knew that Hannah was a warm-blooded, kind, gentle soul, and she was going to rub it in Hannah's face about her situation. She wanted her to die. She wanted her to just wither away into sorrow and misery. And here's the thing, when you're sad all the time, when you're miserable, guess what? You get gray hair earlier. You start aging really quick. Why? Because your your body's your your cells can't handle continuous stress like that. Have you ever noticed that happy people don't look old, but miserable people do? That's why. And we are excluding plastic surgery and botox and all those things. I mean like just happiness is the best medicine. It really is. Viper woman knew that. So she stole and stole and suffocated and suffocated as much happiness out of Hannah's life as she could. Why? Because she's an evil wicked woman. See, you know what I find interesting is that people I think I've said this before, but there are a lot of people that think that because someone's married that that they are a better a better candidate for a job or a better candidate for a position. and they're not. Married people can be just as evil as someone that is single. And if anything, I need to charge my computer here, so I'm going to be walking over to the charger. But here's the thing. Most of the evil people I have met over the years have been married. And most of them have been women. The nicer people I've met were single. They didn't have anything to prove. They didn't care to prove anything. They're just living their life. living it to the best of their ability. But you know just I kind of feel like in Oklahoma at least there's just this stupid concept or this false belief that married people are more stable than single people and that's not true. Marriage in Oklahoma is very much used as a status symbol as a a social status. very very similar to old testament biblical times where marriage it was very important for a woman to get married and, and to get married quickly otherwise you were considered an old maid and that's how Hannah was being treated you know at least she got married but then you know double whammy not being able to have kids viper woman knew that and what you have to remember is that being that vipers are cold blooded They will never love you the way you're supposed to be loved. You cannot ever trust them. They will always have that cold-blooded, evil, mean streak. They can act sweet and kind. I've experienced this mostly in work situations. I've worked with so many viper women. It's it's horrible. I can spot them a mile away now. Like I can see them before their fangs come out. But um they act really sweet and kind to certain people and then what they do is they may act sweet or kind to you but then when the the boss is away that's when they that's when they strike that's when they get mean and they can fool so many people and it's just like you know if only they knew that was really a snake if only they knew but you know i think it's really interesting when people make this assumption almost like Eli did where he assumed that Hannah was drunk when she was not well a lot of people assume that oh well someone's married oh they have a stable relationship you know they're they're more uh trustworthy than someone that's single 
you know, they make these assumptions and it's technically a form of discrimination is what it is. It's marital status discrimination in terms of that. I've experienced that uh, myself. And I always find it interesting that people associate normalcy with marriage. Well, here's the thing. If you have someone that's not normal that has gotten married, that's not going to make them normal by getting married. They're just going to have a abnormal marriage. Because if they don't change, then they're going to continue to be abnormal. And whoever they marry either is already abnormal because they tend, to, you know, misery loves company. They're either going to have an extremely abnormal marriage because you have both people that are or that are abnormal or you have the abnormal marry the normal and the normal person doesn't realize that whoever they have married or fallen in love with is abnormal. They may be completely oblivious just like Hannah's stupid husband. He was completely oblivious that he married a viper woman and how cruel and hateful and evil he she was to Hannah. Because we don't we don't expect people to act like snakes, but sometimes they do. And women are notorious for this. They are notorious for this. It is sad. Like that's why I typically don't go to a lot of a lot of women conferences because I don't want to be around that many women. I really don't. It's like a sorority house. I was in a sorority. I did not like it and I left for good reason. But you just have to I just wish more more men would wake up that you know women can be very catty and petty. and very unkind to each other. And just because women, you know, just because you have two women in the room, that doesn't mean they like each other. That doesn't mean they want to work with each other. That doesn't mean they want to be around each other. Women are not like men. And I don't understand why men can be so oblivious to this cuz men just kind of look at it from a sports team kind of view. Where it's like, well, we're all on the same team, we're going to have the same goal. That doesn't apply to women. When women don't like each other, they literally can't stand each other. They don't want to be around another woman. That's how a lot of women are. So for men to think, "Oh, yeah, just just put the women together in the kitchen, that they, they'll be fine." No, do you want a frying pan contest? Like really think about that. Like God made women a certain way for a reason, but he didn't make them to be vipers. Whenever a woman behaves the way this, this guy's other wife behaves, she's choosing to be evil. Because if God had made all women to be bad, then Hannah would have been bad as well. But no one was created to be bad. No one, not male or female. We were created in the image of Almighty God. We we were created to be good. So whenever whenever someone falls short of doing the goodness of God, that's a big reflection of their choices. Cuz if you think about a viper woman, she was choosing to behave this way. She wasn't born that way. She chose to be cruel to Hannah. She knew what upset Hannah and she made a point to be cruel to her every single day. Well, all that did was get God's attention. See, that's how stupid bad people are. That's how dumb Satan is. First of all, Satan's already lost the war. He's a defeated foe, but also pe- bad people are so stupid. Whenever they do something wrong and bad like that, It really gets God's attention. I mean, God sees everything. But he really notices it when bad people do really mean things to his children. And he will defame them. 
Because God doesn't put up with evil. And the reason why he doesn't put up with evil behavior is because nothing unholy can exist in heaven. It cannot be in the presence of God. That's why we are all called to holiness. Not everyone answers that call to holiness. And I, when I say we're all called to holiness, that doesn't mean that we're all called to be like Catholic priests or something or monks or nuns. That, that's not it at all. Actually, none of us are called to be that. Um, but it's one of those things where technically because of the New Testament, we are all called to be vicars of Christ. That is one thing we we are all called to be whether we are male or female. But back here in the Old Testament, you have people that in this particular story, they know that God is real, they believe that God is real, but their faith is lacking except for Hannah. The very person that is being thrown away and being kicked around like a soccer ball, she's the only one that just truly believes and pours out her heart to God. Even Eli, he fails at first, but he, but he 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 comes back to help her. And the the way that he failed was he falsely accused her of being drunk. He didn't go over and ask her, "Can I help you? Do I need to get you something? Do you need some water?" You know, he's sitting there in a chair. He sees her moving her mouth, and here's the thing. He I I guarantee you she's probably crying. And she probably had a very painful facial expression on her face. She she probably looked very miserable. Do you know drunks that ever go into a church and start praying to God, pouring out their soul? I've never seen that happen. Someone that is belligerently drunk, usually they're loud, obnoxious, rude, they either get angry or they're overly happy or they laugh too much. No. They're not standing there moving their mouth and nothing coming out of their mouth in terms of words they're they're you know drunks are usually loud but she was not but Eli being the man that he is because sometimes men are dumb and like big boobs as Marilyn Monroe said he just automatically assumes that she's drunk well drunk people don't go into a temple and start praying and start crying and start asking God for help that's not what drunk people do but he assumed see that's why assumptions are wrong and that's why assumptions are bad as as a society and as people of god we need to do a better job of not jumping to conclusions and making assumptions about people and shaming and blaming and judging them cuz technically Eli was shaming her even though he was a man of god he was shaming her technically and he was dismissing her but i guarantee you if a woman had been in there in that temple and had seen hana a woman would have said hey there's something going on there she's really upset we we need to check well a non-viper woman let me make that clear if a non-viper woman had been in the temple and had seen hana that woman would have realized that hana's upset about something and she's really praying about something and it's serious so maybe we should go and pray with her But Eli didn't catch that. He didn't spot that. He falsely accused her of being drunk, and she basically had to defend herself in a way, because he could have thrown her out of the temple, 
And if he had thrown her out, she that would have brought shame to her husband. And it would have been really bad for her. But thank goodness Eli gave her a chance to speak. And thank goodness Hannah had the courage to tell him what's really going on. She didn't hide it. She just spoke bluntly about it and she told the truth about her situation. See, one of our disadvantages when we are feeling shamed and blamed is that we fear what people are going to think about us if we tell them about our situation and what we really need prayer for, what we really need someone to pray for us about. And sometimes we think we can't talk to God about stuff. Well, thank goodness for Hannah. Cuz she told God everything. God knew everything, but he wanted to hear from her. God loved her more than anyone on the face of the earth. He didn't like what was happening to her. And guess what? God defanged Viper Woman and gave Hannah a baby. And not just any baby, a very unique baby. He gave her Samuel. A very important child. Like we don't really hear about Viper Woman's kids after this. They were they were probably horrible brat kids. Like it kind of reminds me of those bratty kids, um, like the not so nice kids on Leave It to Beaver. That's probably what these Viper Woman kids were—the spoiled, rotten kids that don't really care about other people. They don't really value human life. You know that kind of thing. They cause problems. They're they're a bully. Things like that. That's what Viper Woman's kids remind me of. But Hannah's child, he was chosen by God to do God's word. to fulfill his destiny in God's house. That is an anointing, that is a calling far above and beyond any of the Viper Woman's kids ever got. So look at it this way, because of Viper Woman's horrible behavior towards Hannah, her kids didn't get the same blessing as Hannah's child. They were not anointed. So number 1, parenting does matter. Number 2, what we do affects future generations. But Viper Woman was so arrogant and pompous and hateful and mean to Hannah, she didn't think her behavior had any repercussions. She was just consumed with trying to show up Hannah all the time. Well, I got news for Viper Woman. Hannah was a queen in God's eyes, and he loved her, loved her very much. God loves all of his children, but he really takes care of those that are treated bad. Because God is not going to reward bad behavior. He's just not. But I will go ahead and end this podcast. I think this was a really good one cuz I'm really loving the book of Samuel. It's really just a it's just a beautiful book. Like you see so much human interaction in it. Like there's human interaction throughout the entire uh, holy word of God. But there's something about the first and second book of Samuel that you, you see a lot of history within the church, and you see a lot of human interaction, and it's almost like it's almost like Lifetime Movie Network, but not trashy. If that makes sense, like, like you're seeing the raw emotion of things. And plus, you know what we have to remember is that the Holy Word of God is factual. It actually happened. Hannah was real. Her her lazy stupid husband was real. Viper woman was real and all her stupid viper kids are real. Eli is real. Samuel is real. 
Like this stuff actually happened. So just know that whatever sorrow you're going through, it is no match for Almighty God. God knows who the vipers are, whether they're male or female. Vipers are typically in terms of people, they're usually women. God knows all that. And guess what? God is very disappointed whenever someone acts like a viper. Because no one is called to act like that. No one is called to act in a cold-blooded manner. No one. That's why God will always defang a viper. So don't ever feel sorry for people that get defanged. That's that's another thing I want to mention in close. Don't ever feel sorry for your enemy. They deserve it. You can pray for them and say God bless them, you know, cuz it's in that blessing that God will defang them. Because when you ask God to bless somebody, he's going to make them or try he can't make someone. I mean, let me reword this. He will defang them. He will show them where they need to change, and it's up to that person whether or not they want to change. He can't force people to be good, just like he can't force people to be bad. And he never forces people to be bad. Never forces people to be good. It's we have free will. But what I'm saying is is that God is our vindicator. Let him take care of these battles. See, cuz here's the thing, if we've already got a viper coming at us, first of all, we need to get our holy shield up. We need to get our armor of God on. Number 2, we need to recognize that we're not in charge of the army. Christ is. And God is our king. So, it's not our job to tell other soldiers of Christ what to do. It's also not our job to fight every single battle that comes on our that comes our way and comes across our path. Let God fight that battle. Let him take care of all the vipers. Let him take care of all the negative bitter betties. Let him take care of all the slothful husbands out there. They don't really value their wives. Maybe they cheat on their wives or maybe they just complain about them to their buddies or maybe the the husband just doesn't really want to listen to the wife. He just wants to stay in his man cave and and play on his PlayStation and then watch a football game and it's like, "Really? Is that really being a husband?" No. If a teenage boy can act like that, then obviously that's not really special behavior. Do you see what I mean? Like a husband is supposed to honor his wife. Hannah was not feeling honored at all. She was feeling dishonored. That's why she went to God was because God always honors his children, especially those that are being oppressed. And he will defang anyone that is cruel or mean or hateful to his children. So just know that whatever adversary you have, whatever situation you have, God can handle it. He knows who's cold-blooded and who's not. He knows who's evil and not. He knows who is wicked and not. So let him handle it. That's why it's so important to do what Eli said when he said, "Go in peace." Even during the storm, we are supposed to be living in a place of peace. We basically need to eat, drink, and be merry. I wasn't going to say act like nothing's wrong, but that's not really what I mean. You need to I'm not saying act like nothing's wrong. You need to know that God is your provider. There's a difference between acting and knowing. Cuz acting will only take you so far.
but knowing will take you everywhere and anywhere that you need to go knowing that god is your provider knowing that god is fighting your battles knowing that god is already won knowing that your adversary is getting swatted like a fly and come summertime oklahoma has a lot of flies and we have some fat ones here we have a lot of flies that bite and they they suck on your blood and i i can't stand it like one time i swatted one and all this blood went everywhere i was like oh disgusting oh it was just just gross but just think about it that's how god views our enemies he knows they're soul sucking bad people and he's going to swat them and sometimes it gets a little messy that's what happens cuz what i've learned and also what a preacher told me one time a pastor told me that sometimes whenever people are messing up and they're being bad or evil whatever the case may be sometimes they have to fall completely to their knees they have to hit they have to hit rock bottom before they choose to change they will do everything they can to get everybody else to change and so that everybody else will just accept them for who they are and accept their bad behavior but that doesn't work most people Whenever they're doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing, they have to hit rock bottom before they turn over that new leaf, repent, walk away from the bad and go towards God. And there's nothing you or I can do to help that except pray for them. Because it's not for me or you to continuously correct someone's lifestyle. Because guess what? It's someone's lifestyle or their choices or whatever the case may be. A choice is a choice. And technically when someone's not living the life they are supposed to have and that they're supposed to do, they are choosing to not follow the holy will of God. We can encourage them to do good, but more importantly, we need to pray for them. And also, we need to remember to take our petitions, our problems to the Lord. Don't ever go to a viper. Just because someone's sweet to you and says they love you, that doesn't mean they really do. The proof is in the pudding, as they say. Like that's why I think it's in the book of Proverbs or Wisdom. It says, I'm summarizing. It basically says, be careful who you trust, and you need to test people before you trust them. Because even an enemy can behave like an ally when they're really not. They're just using you. That's what vipers do. They use people. they use you and they fool you by talking sweet doing all these things but just remember when whenever a shark smiles they still have two rows of teeth that are meant to tear you apart and kill you so just because someone smiles at you that doesn't mean they really love you or they respect you or like you they could be smiling at you because they want something from you And I've met some people that remind me of sharks and what we'll, we'll get to that in another podcast cuz it's so interesting the more I grow in my faith and I really stop looking at life from um a victim mentality because it's easy to be to look at from a victim point of view especially if you've gone through a lot of hardships like I have once I learn to separate myself from those feelings and emotions and I look at it like it's whatever's going on in my life it's it's just like I'm looking at a movie screen 
And so I'm not in the movie, I'm just looking at the movie. So then it helps to separate those feelings and emotions so that way I don't feel as much pain. But it also helps me to be in control of that situation. I can go, "Oh, I've seen this before. I know how this can go down. I know how to handle this." So I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. Because victory is always ours in Christ Jesus. And if you need an example of that, Hannah is the perfect example of victory. Not only did she get a child, her adversary got defanged and her husband blessed her year after year with a double a double portion, a double blessing, even when she was miserable. That is the favor of God. Even when you are unhappy, God will still bless you. But even in our loneliness and unhappiness, whatever may be going on, we still need to go to God. Don't give up on God because he never gives up on you. Never, never, never. But I will go ahead and end this lovely podcast. I pray that you enjoyed this. I know I did. I I'm always learning something new. Um but until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole and that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Small steps waves transform